You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For those of you listeners who know my background a bit, you might remember the stories of my first few jobs after college. From being a mall cop to selling makeup door-to-door, I realized that I had skills that were being underutilized and that these minimum wage jobs couldn't support me or last forever. I spent years going through YouTube, reading books, listening to podcasts, and taking enough online courses to reinvent myself as a professional copywriter and digital marketer. Years later, thanks to my side hustles and drive, I've worked with national news outlets, multi-million dollar tech startups, nonprofits, and celebrities to build their brands and drive sales. None of this could have happened if I didn't develop in-demand skills. I had to do this alone, but you don't have to. You have Hustlers University 2.0. Hustlers University 2.0 is a community where you can learn real skills to earn money online today, starting with side hustles you can use to elevate your game. I'm not just an advocate for Hustlers University. I'm also a student. Every professor is verified to be making 10K to 500K monthly in their selected field. You get full resources, lesson plans, and an active community of thousands of other Hustlers University students working on skills such as stock analysis, cryptocurrencies, e-commerce, copywriting, which was my favorite course, one I actually went ahead and took last month. And as a copywriter of seven years... I even took a ton out of that, including some of the resources I was able to take over to my day job. You also learn freelancing, financial planning, affiliate marketing, business management, and so much more. If you're tired of depending on a boss who hates you to deliver your paycheck or have learned since the lockdowns that controlling the source of your income is vital to your individual freedom, sign up for Hustlers University 2.0 today using the link in the show notes. I'll see you there. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, I just want to talk about you today. This is going to be a bit of a shorter episode since I'm, I'm cramming a lot the last few weeks before my wedding. So oh, I just want thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's in three weeks and I fly out in two. So I'm taking advantage of all the time I have to try and get some stuff settled. So then I'm not bringing a microphone with me on our honeymoon. That would be kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, you could just like upload it and be done. <laughs> yeah, cool, cool. Awesome. So I'm not super formal. We'll just go ahead and jump into it. Okay. 
Kristen, thank you so much for coming on the program today. I'm always really fascinated by people that want to put themselves out in the the public square, so to speak. I've never really felt the urge to want to run for office of any kind. I mean, I think everyone has some type of fascination. It's like, you know, I could be president or mayor or something. And then you you meet some of those people and you get involved in that type of stuff. And then you're like, no, I, I think I'm good. I, I think I want to avoid it. I've, I've become largely... Um, non-politically focused the last couple of years. I'm pretty sure you're the only candidate I've spoke to. I've spoken to on this program for a, a very long time, but I'm I, I'm really interested now because I, I was talking to our, our friend, our mutual friend Chris Galt, and um, I know that he's very excited about you running. You're running for Madison Township in Indiana, and I know mm-hmm. some people are thinking like, what does this have to do with me? Well, well, it's really about trying to understand like. What What is the mindset of people running for office post lockdowns? I always go back to that. The world has completely changed. I was a I was a career political operative and political consultant for years. I, I worked for a lot of people. And I, I largely think that personally, politics is a waste of time for a lot of people. I think there are a lot of good people that get involved and for very good reasons. But I mean, ultimately, I, I sometimes wonder, like, why, why do people want to still try and get involved? Why do people want to try and make a change in their community? So so let's just kind of start from the beginning. What, what's kind of your background? What made you eventually get to that decision where you're like, you know what, maybe I should give this a try? Well, it, uh, it takes a special kind of crazy for one <laughs> to even want to run for political office. Um, passion. I think it really boils down to I'm a passionate person and I decided to point that passion towards politics um, because nobody is passionate about politics anymore. It's become a business and it's not what it is. Our government isn't a business and it shouldn't be run as such. We should step back, you know, businesses have a lot of control and a lot of regulation. Um, I was nobody. I'm nobody really. I'm just a small town kid who grew up and stayed in the small town. I started to care when my kids started to go to school. I started to pay attention to what was going on. Um, I got really disenfranchised back in 2015, started to really pay attention on a national level and quickly found that my opinions on national level didn't mean anything. I couldn't change anything there. So was, there started, was there like a moment or a specific candidate or race or whatever? I don't know if there was a specific candidate. Um, I started locally. Um, I started to see Danny Lundy make a lot of posts um, in our community chats and things like that. This is before I ever knew him. And he really pushed uh, Lucy Brenton who ran for Senate here in Indiana and it was Gary Johnson. And I was like, it was the first time I'd seen a third party candidate get any kind of momentum. So I started to follow him. I did end up voting for him. I wasn't a hundred percent confident in him, but I wasn't a hundred percent confident in the libertarian message then either. Um, but I lost, you know, obviously, <laughs> and we ended up with Trump and I was like, wow, nobody cares. And this is what we end up with. Because nobody cares because it's only about what entertains me this moment Mm -hmm. and nobody's thinking about the long game. And, you know, I have a lot of Gen X friends. I have a lot of millennial friends. My brothers are Gen Z. My kids are Gen Z. And so I see what I'm leaving for them. And I'm like, I can't change it nationally, but if I can change it in my community, then they will change it as they get older. And I want to start 
that domino effect. Are you running as a libertarian? I am. Do you, do and it is a genuine question. I I know a lot of people that have run as libertarians in Indiana, more so than a lot of other states. Is it because libertarians actually, and I do, is a genuine question. I want this to seem like it's condescending or whatever. How do libertarians perform? Do libertarians perform well throughout the state? Like, are people open to that? Because from an outsider looking in, I'm I'm in Wisconsin. Yeah. it, It looks like a pretty deeply, like, you know, conservative state. Um, Indiana is a very conservative state. We're predominantly red. Um, libertarians do okay out here and not too shabby. So I started my foray into libertarianism with Danny Lundy. He ran for, um, Madison or Brown township board. It's the same office I'm running for, but in a different township. And he almost won. Like, and I say that and it's not, you know, he almost won, but he was within, it was less than a thousand votes different from the next guy on the list. Um, he went out, he put in the work. And I think that the Indiana libertarians do put in the work. They go out, they knock doors, they fundraise, they work really hard. They spread their message. And in Indiana, especially Republicans have become really disenfranchised. A lot of our Republicans are politicking like Democrats. You know, they're, they're kind of showing up to, to vote GOP because they always kind of vote GOP. They, they just always have. And when we give them this other option and we get to meet them and they see us and we're not the crazy idea of libertarian that the Internet has, you know, and, and in the last two years, it's really gotten huge. Don Rainwater, he got the best um, the best percentage of libert- uh, candidate for governor's gotten in Indiana. And in a third of the state, he got more than a third he won you know he had he was good and he got 33 percent of the vote here in morgan county which is unheard of like it was it was a big deal and so we're kind of writing that momentum still they've seen a good candidate they've backed a candidate who has their same ideas and wants to fight for their liberties even when they differ and they kind of are starting to see wow maybe my party isn't listening to me. And I think that's why part of why we do so good, but it, it really has to do with the people that put in the work, the people that have built this party, Erin Pyle. She worked really hard. She's out in Pennsylvania now and she grew this party. And then she said, okay, <laughs> I'm done with this baby. Here you go. And, and we're trying, you know, people like her and Evan McMahon and Joe Hopman, they've worked really hard to make this party be something principled and keep it going. You know, a lot of times libertarian circles end up where you put the party back in politics, you know, they get mm-hmm. distracted. They're not focused and organized. And, you know, we're out here putting in the work. We're using that CRM, like nobody's business. <laughs> we are building databases of vote totals in every precinct in every township and every County. It's 5,673 of them in Indiana, but we're taking that data so that we can use it going forward, that we know where people are friendly to libertarians and how better to cater our message and tailor our message to them. I've never had a candidate actually say I have a functioning CRM system. So kudos, <laughs> kudos to you on that, because usually I was still having to teach candidates how to use Google. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's... Um, you know, it's it's interesting to see because like for, for the lockdowns and everything, Indiana 
really didn't respond to the way that a lot of states did. And I'm not saying that to credit the Republicans. I say it because the people wanted to move on more so than maybe even the state government did. When I went to Indiana for the first time in January of 2021, like you could still see a lot of like the lingering effects of the pandemic and everything else. And, you know, driving all across the state through all these different small towns, like, you could see that even if they wanted to move on, like they, they're struggling because the rest of the state and even their surrounding neighbors and the rest of the country, they, they weren't they weren't adapting the way that they needed to to respond to things. So, I mean, small town rural America got damaged in ways that I don't think people really truly understand. And I think, you know, talking to some like very conservative people in Indiana it's not that they really identify as libertarians, but they truly understand that, like, listen, like the government took away a lot from us mm-hmm. and that these people who say they're our friends were not there for us when it actually mattered. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if, if you've experienced that, but I mean, I feel like we're in a completely different paradigm than we were in even like 2019, 2018. I mean, it's like the stuff you see on TV finally came home for a lot of people. Yeah, it's like the things that libertarians have been saying for years are finally becoming into fruition and people's eyes are opening. You know, it's, we've given them so much power and then they took it from us. Like we just ended our emergency um, back in March because statewide. Yes, the okay. statewide emergency just ended in March. And I'm like, it's been <laughs> that's a long two weeks, Governor Holcomb. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And some some of the legislature are trying to rein that in. You know, Indiana just passed a law last year that um, allows the the House and the Senate to meet um, so that the governor can no longer extend these executive um, orders past 30 days and things like that. You know, before they couldn't be called into session and now they can call themselves into session without the governor. And kind of rein in him a little bit where he's got this autonomous presidential power. He's the president of Indiana, basically. That's, you know, what a governor does. And and it kind of went to his head and people got really upset when they couldn't go to church. And it spiraled, I think, from there. You know, it's not it's no longer just about that liberty. It's now every property in Morgan County has their just been reassessed and our assessment values went up 25 to 45% across the board and people are angry. (laughs) You know, they're mad. They're why is this happening? Well, because you have a Republican who's running in a primary unopposed, who doesn't have a democratic opponent in November. And so where is the accountability? There's nothing going to happen to this assessor. They're going to be reelected by default and people are upset. They see that these they continue to get in power and there's, there's no control. Well, why not run, you know, what, what, you know for, for your position that you're seeking to get, why not run in one of the two major parties? I don't. It, my principles don't align with theirs. It's as simple as that. You know, I can't. I don't believe in their message. They say a lot of things. You know, Joe Biden ran on cannabis. You know, this is a huge deal and then gets in and fires anybody that's ever used cannabis because of a clearance issue. Well, I, and that's not who I am. I'm not absolutely not going to run on an issue that I won't follow through on. 
I I completely understand where you're coming from with that. I mean, for me, it's been it, it's been I, I don't I I used to I used to talk to a lot of libertarian candidates, and like the thing that really bothers me now is that a lot of them a, a lot of them one I, I don't think a lot of libertarians running the last couple cycles talked loudly enough about the lockdowns, especially like the national level. I, I didn't like the fact that Joe Jorgensen just like completely ignored that and, and everything else. And, you know, it's like when, when everything happened, it's like there weren't libertarians in the state house, there weren't libertarians in Congress, there weren't even libertarians in the boardroom right. for a lot of businesses. So it's like, I look at this and I hear people with a lot of just really, you know, really good intentions. And I mean, their, their heart's in the right place, but it's like, I've, I, I, I've got, as somebody that has voted libertarian in the past, it's like, I've got kind of a, a trust issue because it's like, why would I spend time and money to help you? Why would I vote when it's ultimately just, just, you know, a, a protest people still use that. And I don't like that language, but that's still right. kind of the mindset that we're in. Well, and, you know, my argument for that is, you know, cause I get that a lot. Well, I'd vote for you if you were running Republican. And so I have a special caveat in my race that it's a pick three. So you can't vote straight ticket. You can vote for me, even though I'm not a Republican, because you can vote on your principles. You know, I hear it all the time. Libertarians can't win. You won't get the votes. Well, we won't get the votes because you don't go vote, because it's so important to the collective whole socially, you know, that stigma that I've got to win. I have to be on the winning side. My choice is only important if it's the right choice and if it's what they choose. My neighbors are going to vote this way, so I'm going to vote this way because otherwise I'm wrong and I don't want to lose. It doesn't feel good to lose. But I think if everybody stopped worrying about it as a contest, it's this voting. This is the most important thing that we do as humans, as Americans, is the only voice that we have in our future. And if we don't vote our principles versus our partner, you know, our partner's ideals or our neighbor's ideals, vote our peers, then we're throwing it away. I'm not ever going to vote away because my husband voted away. You know, I don't take his opinion on anything like that because it's mine. This is my only voice. And I've only had a voice in voting for a hundred years, <laughs> you know, so that's really important. I'm not about to let anybody take it away. And I think that we've just gotten very complacent in the last 60, 70 years in America with our voice. I'll, I'll admit something. Since I moved here a year ago, I haven't registered to vote. And, uh, you know, we've had quite a few local elections and everything come up. And it's, it's usually just Democrats and Republicans. There is a Wisconsin Libertarian Party. I don't know who they run. I don't know who's running. I don't know what's going on. But by and large, like I haven't really been incentivized to do that. And as I stay here longer and I've already said to my fiance and everything, I'm like, we're going to we're going to give it a year and then maybe assess as to whether we want to move elsewhere. But that is one of those things I have to decide. It's like, how much involvement do I want in my community without being in, in the community? But then when do I get to the point where it's like, yeah, what the community decides is ultimately going to affect me. Right. And it's, it's this weird, I feel like I'm in therapy. It's this weird, like complacency between inaction and inaction. It's like, what is the action? The action is leaving again. I already left Virginia. 
Virginia has gone red. I like the current governor of Virginia, but I need to see some action before I believe they're actually going to change anything. Mm-hmm. And even then, there's there's a lot of stuff about there that I still wouldn't move back to. But it, it's also like, so if that's the action, what's the inaction? Just just accept it. Just allow it to happen. It, it's it's in a weird place. And I, I don't feel too bad about saying that because, and I'm not saying this is right. I'm not saying people should adopt this mindset. It's just where I've been. But I'm like, if I feel this way and I spent most of my young adult career doing this, I can only imagine how it is for people that never were involved in this and felt totally victimized the last couple of years. And now they wonder whether or not it matters because you have, you know, you have Democrats saying for elections, well, Russia gets involved and you have Republicans saying it's stolen. And then it it just gets to the point where it's like, you know, I I don't know if people are actually going to solve things. Yeah. As a, as a millennial, I have a lot of friends that don't vote. They don't care. They put their heads in their sand. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't affect me. I don't care. Um, and I'm like, wow, I don't get it. <laughs> but I'm focused and passionate about that. They're focused and passionate about softball or fixing cars, you know, and when it affects them, they'll get involved. But that's why they need good, solid candidates that are principled that have their best interests at heart. Um, and I think so many people have gotten disenfranchised I vote in the general I'll vote for Democrats or Republicans because I'm well versed on my candidates because I go out and I look the races that I care about are the auditors I care about the clerk and I care about um, my township I try not to worry too much about countywide things because like because it doesn't it doesn't immediately affect me and it starts to become a hailstorm and you will quit if you start to focus on all that because it's negative. It's disgusting. It's gross. You, I'm flabbergasted how common sense is just lost. And I can understand how the average person who doesn't want to run for office, who's not involved in politics, could be like, why do I care, bro? I've got three hots. I'm not in the middle of a war. You know, gas prices go up and down all the time, whatever. You know, real laissez-faire about it. And so that's why I try to tell people, you know, find the issue that you care about and focus on that. You know, I care about Madison Township. I care about the taxes that I pay here and where they're going to um, at township levels. They fund fire departments, basically. That's it's the majority of it. And I think fire safety is paramount. And that's one of the only things our taxes even should pay for. So if, there, if we're going to have taxes. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've never, I've never been like, Oh, you know what I really wish was privatized the fire department. That's really, like, really like what, maybe there's an argument for that, but that's very low on my media concerns. It's like when I pick up the phone and call 911, I want them to show up. I actually have a specific real life example of a privatized fire department. Oh my God. I need to hear this. Over, Tell me about it's, this. It's hell. Uh, so there was a gentleman and he was contracted with, by the trustee, um, some townships work a little differently and it was a volunteer fire department. Uh And this gentleman had purchased the apparatus, the building, et cetera. And he was the fire department. It was him, but he was using the taxpayer dollars to do this. He he used taxpayer dollars to build a new station. He used taxpayer dollars to buy the apparatus because he had the contract and then he wouldn't fight the fires because he was one guy. You know, he couldn't keep a volunteer service 
and ended up in a really bad situation. It turned out that he was using taxpayer money for personal items and things like that. He used it to build his own house, I believe. Um, there was some trouble. Don't quote me on that. I might be sketched. <laughs> but, I mean, it basically sounds like they created an artificial monopoly. It did. It did create an artificial monopoly, 100%. It got to the point where the county got involved and said, we're not going to give you this tax money anymore, um, so you can't have a volunteer fire department. It got to a bad situation where that territory wasn't being covered at all um, when the surrounding townships were struggling to help out there. And that's what started me being interested in Madison Township because they considered merging our fire territories. Oh, God. Which would have raised our um, taxes out here. It would have taken all of the burden off of the gentleman who was the volunteer fire department. It would have made Madison Township absorb all the debts and pay for the equipment that they had because we would need that equipment to continue to service that area because, you know. It was just a cluster, and that's why I got involved. There were about 120 of us at that meeting. Um, the board didn't know what was going on, so the trustee and the clerk, um, then the chief of police hadn't been very open with them. They were combative. It was a terrible situation, and that's when I was like, I think maybe I could fix this. You know, did, I, did you want to be the candidate, or were you hoping that somebody like you would run so that way you didn't have to be the person getting all the slings and arrows? I have always been the person that gets slings and arrows. I have a big mouth. I've uh, always said my mind since I was in high school. It's gotten me in a lot of trouble, and I said my piece that night at that meeting, and I was asked by um, about five different members of the community if I was going to run. And that's when I was like, you know, I can take it. I, you know, I've literally had tomatoes thrown at me <laughs> because, oh, I, because I was very pro LGBTQ in the early 2000s. And, and, you know, I was at protests when I was a teenager. And so I can handle it, you know, let if them If you can do it. that, you can handle the local election. I can, yeah, which actually I started to wonder uh, <laughs> recently it's gotten pretty bad, the mudslinging, not on me, but uh, other candidates in similar races. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is bad. They're so I, mean. I and have I'm, worked. Yeah. I mean, I have worked every level of campaign possible from like dog catcher to president. Nice. And the ones that, uh, like the ones that like really bothered me, the ones where I'm like, are these people crazy? were the ones that were the city with the two city council races I managed like local mm-hmm. politics. Like people think it's local. It's not as bad. Local politics is almost like more fiery than anything else I've ever encountered in my life. I, I do think it's worse. You get down to the Hatfields and the McCoys and these small Literally. towns. Yes. And <laughs> it's, it's scary how it can be, you know, these are your neighbors, you know, I don't, I was not appreciative of the way my government in Madison Township was being run, but I voted for them, you know, some of them, not all of them, but, you know, I voted for the current trustee, you know, four years ago. And so I, I still have to respect them, you know, and they should be respecting me. And I, I just think that that's lost. And especially in local politics, I think your head gets so big and we have a town nearby and there's a gentleman on the town council who's just like 
feels like he has all this power, you know? And I'm like, you are a steward of, you're my, I, you work for me. <laughs> like, did you, where did we lose that in politics? Where did we stop being civil servants and start thinking we were the lords of the manor? You know, that's why we are in America. It's, we stopped that practice. You don't get to come collect your tax, Mr. Taxman. And I think the one thing that has really come across the last couple of years I've noticed is that people have really begun to realize how impactful their local politics is because whether you like who's president or not, like it was your local school board masking your children and sticking them in front of a computer all day. And then, yep. you know, throwing truancy laws at them if they close their screen, it, it was your local city council that was boarding up your business and arresting people when they want to go to the gym. It, it was your, your local health department that was going ahead and making sure that people were complying by utterly ludicrous uh, laws and regulations to go ahead and, and keep things going. And it's like, you know, people who never voted in local elections were suddenly like, how did it get this way? And it's like, well, I mean, it, it, it didn't just happen overnight. Mm -mm. These people have been in power for 20, for 20 years. It's the same as it is on the federal level. You know, we complain about term limits and having people that have been in office as long as Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell, but it's the same in your local County government. And it happens because we're comfortable with that name. We see it. Oh, that's familiar. I'm going to vote with what's familiar. And you have no idea what's going on because you don't read the newspaper. It's not shiny. It's not flashy. Johnny Depp's not on the front page of it. And so you don't you don't look. Are you team Johnny or team Amber? I'm team Johnny all the of way. Of course. Hell yeah. What the hell? hell? Why would anybody yeah. be on Amber Heard's? I met, I met somebody. I, I met somebody who, who was team Amber, and I was like, why? And, I mean, it was the, the – you want to know why? Because this, this person's a celebrity, and he was uh, dining at uh, a, a very popular Hollywood steakhouse. And this is years ago. I think this is before she did The Rum Diaries, where she met Johnny Depp. And he, he doesn't pay attention to things now. But he was like, oh, you know, she, she, she was so nice and so gorgeous. She would never poop on his bed. And I'm like, well, she did. And okay. she hit him and all those other things. Like, you know, the devil comes as a friend. Yes. Yes. Well, and you know, narcissists are that type of person. You never expect it until it happens. And I don't necessarily think Johnny Depp's a hundred percent, you know, innocent. And he, all he's this. no saint, but no like saint. as this kind of comes together, it's like, you know, she, she, she destroyed his career. I've seen these relationships happen. I've seen it. I've, I've seen I feel this that way with my government. Who's probably not the best boyfriend, you know, he's probably not the most attentive or, you know, wants you to actually do the dishes every now and again, <laughs> something, you know, and, and you just get berated and screamed at and belittled. And for her to be younger than him as a slight insecurity and to sit there and pepper him with, you're so old and you're so boring and, and he's lived life and he's like, I don't have to go out and do this crazy shit. You're insane. <laughs> like, Hell yeah. And, and so she, to sit there and, you know, scream at him and put him down and make him small. I could see him fully snapping at some point, screaming at her, writing crazy stuff on the wall in blood, you know, because what do you do when you snap? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I hope I never know, but oh. I definitely, I, my favorite um, little snippet that I've seen is um, 
where he's up there on the stand and he's being cross-examined by her counsel. And he asks, or she asks, well, you'd say that you're bigger than Miss Hurd in stature or, and you're bigger than her. Right. And he said, no, I wouldn't say that. And then they pan over to Amber Heard's face and it's just, is absolute gold. It is. And I'm like, well, but that's also the problem is that we're sitting here talking about Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. And in my township, they've overspent the budget for the last eight years running. They, that makes our tax dollars go up. They're, lying to people and doing things. They're just not transparent, you know, and, and, but nobody cares about it. It's not shiny. You know, my mother who lives in the same township as I do, but works in it for a different government entity. She's always so worried about what's happening there. And I'm like, I know it's your job, but it pays you. You don't pay it. You don't have anything to do with the, what happens over there in that government. It doesn't affect your daily life at all. It affects your job a little bit, but not your daily life. But this affects your daily life and you're not interested in the least. Like, has no idea who our trustee even is. And it's sad. Yeah. What, what's, what, what's, your, what, what, what's your game plan? When is the election and, and what are you trying to do to get yourself out there in front of as many voters as possible? So I started running an exploratory committee last year. That's what, that was the first thing I did so I could figure out what position I wanted to run for, the board or the trustee. I've been knocking doors. Uh, we did a community survey. Um, so far, we've got at least three big votes planned or big events planned. Um, this one, The first one coming up on May 7th is a big get-out-the-vote event with um, a lot of candidates from all across Indiana. Um, statewide candidates, uh, uh, James Seniak for Senator, Jeff Moore for Secretary of State, which is a huge race here in Indiana. It's how we maintain our ballot access. And um, so we're doing that. I've got these fancy mailers, um, cool things I'm sending out. I've got my policy points and stuff. Um, We have a couple of events planned. We've got a booth. um, Madison Township Fire Department does a fireworks show every 4th of July. So we'll be there and we'll have cool stuff to hand out for kids. Um, I have a pretty fair online presence and I attend every single Madison Township meeting. Um, So I'm just trying to put my face out there. I do know a lot of people in the community because it's where I grew up. So that's a good plus. But it comes down to putting your face in front of people, knock the doors, which is hard after COVID. There are still people that are not receptive to it. Um, but it's a lot better than it was. You know, we worked in 2020 on campaign things and um, for Joe Jorgensen, and we had to get creative, and it's a lot easier now. <laughs> and people are more willing to come out and volunteer. Um, so it should be it should be easy. It should be well. But I attended a candidate forum, um, and I've been invited to later this year speak with a couple um there's a firefighters union out here they'll ask questions and make those public for my my answer is public whether or not they decide to endorse me or not i'm guessing it's probably going to be no (laughs) but (laughs) well i i appreciate everything you're doing It, it always warms my heart to see when people are actually willing to put themselves out there it's not 
it, it's not easy. And like, you know, I've, I've known many, you know, many, many tough guys and gals who run for office. And I mean, you see the stress on them, you see it, especially when it's such an uphill battle. I've worked for more Republicans than, than anyone else, but I mean, I did work for a libertarian. I did work for an independent candidate and like, it's, it's never easy. So I think anyone willing to put in the work, especially when it's for the best of intentions of helping people's lives and liberating them from, you know, the, the, the state of, of mind that we're in the, the state of government that we're living under. I mean, it, it's a, it's a hard task. So I do greatly appreciate you for coming on and answering everything, including, you know, meeting another team, Johnny person, if people want to go ahead and uh, you know, check out uh, more about you, check out all your stuff, make a donation volunteer. I'll go ahead and include that all in the show notes, but you want to go ahead and just let me know now. Yeah, no, it's at kristencares.org. Um, you can find everything about me, my priorities, um, things that are going on in Madison township. Um, also check out the Libertarian Party of Morgan County um, here in Indiana. They're a wonderful model of how all county affiliates should move forward and how people can grow from three members to 28 members in just a few years. Um, if you want to donate to me on PayPal, it is easy. It's just lady for the number Liberty. And I accept monthly donations also, but you do have to check the little box, not uncheck it. <laughs> Awesome stuff. Well, I greatly appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, thank you, Remzo. It's been awesome and it was a pleasure. And I hope to listen to more of your stuff in the future. Greatly appreciate it. Well, folks, if you enjoyed conversations like the one we just had, go ahead and do me a favor. Follow me across Al Gore's amazing internet. Hey, Remso. And go ahead and subscribe to the show if you haven't already. A five-star rating and review also costs you nothing, but it means everything to me. As always, be safe, be good. Good night.